This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek. I'm here today with Steve Cockham, as always, from London, England. Steve, happy, ooh, big day today, isn't it? It's a huge day for us uh, royalists. In We've had a royal baby. Um, amazing how they timed it to come out on St. George's Day. No insider trading at all. Um, I can't tell you the name yet, yeah. but I can tell you it's a boy. So there you go. That's usually one up for my well, most knowledge of children. Well, and, and you need to help us because no one in America knows what St. George's Day is. Yeah. Um, so can you help us with that? What does that mean? Uh, you, have you heard the story of St. George and the Dragon? No, I can see you haven't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, think this, I think this may be one of those that basically to any of our 5 million listeners, we've gone through a new threshold that are really interested in St. George and the Dragon. If you're of our age, you'll type it into Google or Wikipedia. If you're young, you'll type it into YouTube and get a video of George and the Dragon. It's a mythical, historical figure, but he in theory is almost like the, the kind of the, the, not the patron saint, I think that's the wrong word, but St. George's flag is our kind of red and white one. It's the one that means we're English rather yeah, than yeah, necessarily yeah. part of the United Kingdom, which has those little Scots and Welsh and Irish involved as well, which is always slightly more complicated. So St. George is a pure English uh, component of our DNA. I've probably caused enough offence. So the Welsh, the, Welsh aren't, the Welsh aren't really celebrating today? Uh, or the... No, they probably will actually, because the, <laughs> the United Kingdom. But what you got to remember is the Welsh flag is a dragon, so I'm not sure whether St George actually slayed the Welsh oh, dragon. But they'll cheer for so the this is a they'll cheer for the dragon over English St George. Fr- yeah, the English versus the dragon. Okay, interesting, interesting. I, All right, well that's that's really good. Now it's one of those holidays that you know every country has these these spe- specific holidays. Mm-hmm. We just don't we don't have that. We would have Columbus Day. Yeah. Maybe that would be ours, or um, which is Independence, all types of Independence Day is now. a particularly unpopular one on this it, side of the pond. It, it's our favorite one. <laughs> it's our favorite one uh, for sure. So, <laughs> hey, look, for fun for all the listeners that are out here, I think it'd be fun if we just since you don't know the baby's name, I think we should give him a name. If we know it's a boy, let's just let's just come up like we and let's okay. put money on it. Let's see if we can. Okay, you, and if we do, we. Are you angling for Jeremy? Is that what's going on? No, 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 no. It would never. It, it's a miserable name. Everyone calls it calls him Jerry. Um, so, uh, other than that, like, what would like Manfred? Would Manfred be the type? Like, I'm thinking of a British name. Well, that would be. If that's um, your bet, you, Niles. If that's your bet, you can have whatever odds you want. Really, so <laughs> there's only about four royal names that they ever have. So we've had George, we've had Charles. Who could you have? I mean, you know, Philip. Named after his grandfather, that's not a bad guess. That would be my that would be my little prediction. A... But they usually have about five names, just so they don't offend any of the ancestors going back about twenty generations. So it'd be Philip something something, Charles something, you know, whatever his father's called, yeah. William. And it wouldn't be Andrew. It could be. Uh, it could be. Or... Prince Andrew. Or, or Timmy, no, or it Ian. It wouldn't you be wouldn't Timmy, do. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna have to go with like, gosh, what what is something that's so it would, not Brian? There's not like a King Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, James might be a good guess. We haven't had a James for a while. There's been plenty okay. of James. Okay, I'll go with James. You go with James. What, right, what did I'll I say? That. I was going with. I'll go with James. Philip. I was you going with Philip. Philip. All right, then there you go. I bet we're both in the name somewhere. Yeah. So we'll see who wins. King James, I don't know. That kind of works. I think I'd want that one if 
that kind of helps. You can say you have a Bible named after you, so that's good. Okay, well, um, let's get into it, right? Come on. Um, that's going to be fun to find out. Um, all right, so for all of you listeners out there, today we are fired up because we're going to go over the next six segments. We're going to actually go really, really deep into what does it look like to liberate a specific voice? Now, for those of you who have really, really loved the voices and for those of you who appreciate and understand the support challenge matrix and the concept of liberation, we're mashing those up and in the process we're getting real specific and I think it truly could be some of the most liberating podcasts that we've done for people because we're going to get into the nuances and the specifics of each voice and today we're going to choose the nurturer voice. So Steve, why don't you start us off with reminder of the nurturer voice. <clears throat> Who is, a, who is a nurturer and what is a nurturer specific um, uh, details? Okay, so nurturers um, are always champions of people, relational harmony and values. They're the most self-giving of all of the, the voices in the system. They, they're the ones that genuinely take delight in other people's doing well. Um, they're, they're just basically like relational oil inside teams. They have this incredible capacity to care. They are amazing at gift giving and they always seem to be personalized in their capacity to serve and to care and to just to bring the best out of people. I think another one that we often say is that uh, nurturers look in the mirror and always see what's wrong. Um, the nurturers always, always underestimate their ability and they always underestimate the way others see them. So we say most people see them as highly skilled professionals, hugely loyal team players, diligent, hardworking, incredibly loyal. And what they see is they often see something which is less than that. So there's no such thing as an arrogant nurturer. You can tell a nurturer every single day of their lives why you appreciate them, what you value about them, and they still usually need to hear tomorrow. So there's a little pen sketch for nurturers. Yeah, and to pile onto that, nurturers, um, they can be male and female. They're going to have a... um, tendency to really want to make sure that people are okay. So if you see them in the team concept, construct, they're going to be focused on, hey, so how are you doing, Steve? What, what, how was the meeting? Are you okay? If there was a negative meeting, they're going to follow up before, you know, during, after to make sure that they're, they're taken care of. They're doing the little things to help people um, really feel wanted, supported, helped. And they are, like Steve mentioned, they're, they're, they're relational oil but they're just so needed in our world, and if if we didn't have if we didn't have nurturers, this would be a miserable world. <laughs> but they're so valuable. Uh, but again, uh, oftentimes not the most confident or secure, uh, but definitely humble mm. uh, people. And they so let's get into. And they make um, up, Jeremy, just to uh, say they make up forty three percent of the world's population. So it's not, you don't have to be great at math to realize even you could work out that doesn't add up to 100% when you multiply it by five. But basically, nurturers 42 are, <laughs> 43% of all people speak nurturers their first voice out of five. Yet in our experience, it's often the quietest voice and the voice which is least often heard or least often valued because they very rarely fight their way to the front for their own agenda. So how we liberate a nurturer, as you'll see, Later, whether you are a nurturer, whether you're married to a nurturer, whether you're raising nurturer children, or whether you have nurturers in your team, um, 
learning how to liberate the nurture of voice is one of the key skills and hopefully one of the great gifts that we'll have given to the world um, through the work and research we've done on voices. So why don't you tell us, Jeremy, how, how do you go about liberating a nurturer? What is it What is it they want you to know, but they assume you know, but most people don't? Yeah, in, in fact, we're going to do that. Then we'll go into self if you are... Um, a nurture how do you how do you liberate yourself and then if you you know have a spouse uh, who's a nurture or a child who's, who's a nurture so in the team construct how do you liberate a nurture um, a lot of times it's simply um, it's validating and calling them up in my in my estimation when I've had nurtures in my world it's one listening to them allowing them to have a safe space uh, to really, really get their point across, to share and listen to what they have to say, to value the way that they value people because they're the champion of people. If they see that you value people in the same way, it's going to be might different if you're not a nurturer. But if they see that in you, they're seeing that you value them too. And so mutually you're valuing people, then your influence is going to grow and they're going to feel as if they're contributing. Uh, oftentimes they don't receive that, which is the, the issue, is they become the medic to help people because other people aren't taking care of them, then they have to do that work. So to liberate a, a nurturer in, is, is really, really fascinating. Um, and so they need to really understand that, that you value the contribution and you take the time to draw out what they're really thinking. So a nurturer might say, you know, invest and believe in me. If, if I struggle to believe I'm good enough, then would you help me? Would you spend enough time with me to get to know me? This is quality time. Would you join me in caring for other people when you don't perceive it as important? And I know it might not be as important, but would you join me in that process? And I know, Steve, you deal with that firsthand. Uh, you're married to a nurturer. Uh, so maybe you could walk us through um, that process and, and, and what that looks like for you. I think when we um, develop that statement that you've just read that I'll probably repeat in a moment so nurturers can write it down and give it to their spouse, this is what Helen thought I knew would be how I would liberate her as a spouse. So when, when we came up with this, she said, well, I thought you knew this. And I'm saying, well, I had no idea because I'm one of those pioneers who really don't understand nurturers in that way. And she said, this is what I wish you knew. I want you to value my contribution take the time to draw out what I really think about issues, invest and believe in me even if I'm struggling to believe I'm good enough for something myself, spend quality time with me, Steve, get to know me really, and join me in caring sacrificially for others even when you don't perceive it's important. Now, for other pioneers who are listening to that, you're going, how on the earth would you ever intuit that that was what a nurturer wanted you to know? But what I've realized is having a key to understand what does Helen really want from me has been a huge part of that process. Because if you think of, you know, I'm gonna speak on behalf of nurturers now, but most nurturers are always, always have a tendency to dominate themselves. Because nurturers always hold themselves to standards which everyone else would find almost impossible and that they would never hold anyone else to. So for a nurturer, it's always the liberation first to themselves is believing that when they look in the mirror or when they describe themselves, what they're seeing is not what everyone else is seeing. So nurturers almost always need somebody to speak the truth in love from the external world 
in order to experience personal liberation. Because if they simply believe and listen to the voices in their head that are telling them who they are, what other people think about them and how good they are at things, they will almost always condemn themselves. They'll end up feeling guilty about themselves. And they are very, very poor liberators of themselves, the nurturer voice. They will always dominate themselves. They will always judge themselves. And they need to hear external words of liberation. It doesn't happen otherwise. And I think that when you think about a nurturer, the insecurity that comes from that at times, so they're dominating themselves. So the self-talk literally takes them out of the game a lot of times. Well, what what do I know? Maybe I don't belong here, or I guess I guess they don't really want to hear what I have to say, and so they get used to it, and it's almost like they set themselves to that level of influence or lack of influence when it's not needed. If they are secure and confident, because they're already humble, people already value them, they're already so nice, but it's amazing how much capital that they actually have. Mm. So if you're a nurturer, like you literally, people know that you're so for them that you would do anything for them, then your influence is really, really strong with people unless you undermine your influence by constantly going, oh, well, it's not for me. I shouldn't be there. And you start taking yourself out of the game. So liberating and nurture is almost to tell you, you've got to really step into who you really are and the value that you bring and know that everyone else sees the value except for you. People see more value in you than you see in yourself. And I know we're generalizing here. Some of you don't. Some of you have gotten past that. But for the majority of nurturers, this is the constant issue. So to liberate means to look in a mirror and see the positives, to actually call yourself up, not out. And oftentimes, most nurturers are constantly calling themselves out of what they're not doing right. Mm. Then they've taken themselves out of any influence. So we simply say, what would it look like on a daily basis to remind yourself who you are? One of the things that we we teach um, is the daily charge, and it's just the reminder to almost self-talk. Remind yourself who you are. I'm a liberator. I'm a nurturer. I was born to dot, dot, dot. I am dot, dot, dot. So what you're doing is you're telling yourself and reminding yourself who you are instead of the normal nagging voice that constantly tells you, what you're not good at. So that explains what you're doing in front of the mirror. You, I'm Jeremy. I'm beautiful. I'm talented. You're going to love me today. Is that? That's what it was. It, it makes it's, perfect sense now. Yeah, it's Stuart Smalley. You know. Uh, no. Yeah. 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 Doggone it. People like me. So we do like you, Jeremy. It's true. So let's think about family then. So let's think about if if I'm a nurturer in the context of family, whether I'm a husband or a spouse, what are my tendencies going to be? When I'm, when I'm going to dominate myself or what are the consequences of that? Talk to us a little bit about that, Jeremy. Yeah. So the tendencies of a nurturer, let's just say a spouse first, mm-hmm. right? So the, the tendencies are to, to give and give and give and give. So they're, the nurturers are the ones that are around holidays. They're literally slaving around. They enjoy it because they know how much people like it. So they're, uh, they love to serve people. They love to feed people. Uh, they love to help people feel great, but then there's the dishes. Who's going to do the dishes? Well, the nurturers go in and they sacrificially just do what they've always done, and they set a reputation of, well, this is the way it is. This is just the the, the way that, that things, uh, how they happen. Uh, a nurturer is going to be the one who's constantly picking up uh, for people, uh, helping 
children with homework, helping, um, you know, fix this or that. Um, they're usually the ones who, you know, they, they put themselves last, whether the, where, what they're wear, how they dress, um, everything is going to focus on everyone else. So they become the last on the priority and they almost feel that way. Mm. And everyone else feels them as, almost chicken soup for the soul. I mean, it's just so sweet and so helpful and so uh, great. And they're viewed so highly um, until maybe the stress gets too uh, too strong. So walk us through what happens <laughs> yeah. when, when a nurturer re- reaches the stress point. Well, I think that was a great description. I mean, every nurturer really, if they're not careful, ends up on a treadmill of meeting other people's unrealistic expectations not expectations others put on them, usually ones they put on themselves. So the, the treadmill of constantly serving, they see need. And most of us don't see need. Um, they see people in trouble. People are drawn to nurturers. So it's so easy for a nurturer to take on all the responsibility, all the emotional baggage, all the responsibilities. And they gradually get more and more worn out because they also find it really hard usually to take time for themselves. Because that almost feels indulgent. That almost feels like somehow, you know, they could be caring for other people. There are people more needy or more deserving than themselves. So eventually, the nurturer reaches that place of just physical and emotional and relational burnout where they're just exhausted caring for everyone else. They, they, they almost think it's better to burn out caring for everyone else than ever be perceived as somebody who would be indulging themselves and and kind of doing whatever they needed. Now, if you think in terms of a spouse, it's great to have a nurturer who's caring for everybody, but actually if the nurturer doesn't know how to slow down, they're stuck in fourth gear, even if it's in the home or with the kids, actually taking the time to do depth second gear with their spouse can often be a real challenge because there's so much need, there's so many tasks, there's so many jobs to do, and you were never going to help me. How can I possibly get to a place where I'm actually able to slow down, come into third gear, come into second gear, and actually just be truly physically, relationally, emotionally, intellectually present with my spouse. That's often a challenge for nurturers, particularly in busy homes where they have careers and they perhaps have kids as well. And so to fight for the highest possible good of a spouse is really to understand uh, these acts of service Mm. and to participate in them. I mean, like take on something. I mean, uh, you know, flowers can be nice, but doing the dishes might even be nicer. Uh, doing, helping the kids with homework, doing the things that are, or in, in telling the spouse, hey, why don't you take a walk or uh, don't not take a hike? That would be the bad language. But to, <laughs> but to tell your spouse, like, why don't you go have a bath? I've got the kids on dot, dot, dot. Just giving them a chance and a breather and kind of creating a rhythm where they can rely on you to do those things. That would show, mm. and I think that's the key word, you have to show that you're uh, fighting for the highest possible good, not just saying that you're fighting for the highest possible good. It's action. <laughs> it's annoying because it's much easier for some of us to give words rather than actually do sacrificial action. So for most nurturers, they love it when somebody cheeses to actually be sacrificial on behalf and for somebody that can never really give anything back. So people who maybe, you know, the world often misses or just that requires long-term love and care and just actually being prepared to give something of yourself to someone else for no reason other than that they are actually a fellow human being in need. 
that's a huge kind of you know they go ah oh, so actually I that that's the type of love language that that nurturers appreciate which is often so hard for some of us for whom you know I, I'd rather hang out with the people I find talented interesting and can add to the sum of my knowledge just to care for somebody because they deserve to be cared for as an act of generosity unconditional um, it's why you know just understanding the differences in how people are wired often help with that communication because you yeah. can miss a nurturer so easily and they can miss you too. And in the support challenge matrix, uh, you're probably going to lead with support, <laughs> very little challenge. Uh, they, they don't need much challenge because they're constantly challenged in themselves. So in, in, in a team or at home, just the idea, do they know that you're for them? And are they seeing that you're for them through your actions? If you can get really good at leading with action versus just words and show them that you agree or you fight for the same things they fight for, which are other people. So by helping them help other people or helping them relax after they've been helping people, you've given them a chance to really recharge start seeing that you're for them and their view of you goes to another level. And you know what? You get a healthy nurture. A healthy nurture is amazing. I mean, they, they create such life for so many people. And like Steve said, that relational oil inside any group of people is going to be stronger when you have healthy nurturers. So that's our, that's our plea and our desire for all of you on how to liberate a nurture to really be intentional to get to that next level. Any last thoughts, Steve? I think on kids, I think that if you've got a nurturer as a, as, a, as a child of yours, I think one of the things we see again and again, nurturers almost need sponsors who are prepared to believe in them, to keep believing them, to keep calling them up and stop them settling often for you know, what they think is safe. Because the, the biggest fear of a nurturer is letting people down. So what they tend to do is they tend to basically settle for roles or responsibilities which are not necessarily their dream or their ambition but almost where they feel like, well, okay, I'll, I don't want to let the team down or the individuals down. So if you're a parent or you're a team leader, just understand that you're going to have to keep calling the nurture up because they will often draw a lot of their strength and belief from your belief and your confidence in them. You'd be amazed how few nurturers choose careers that probably they'd really love to do for fear that they won't be good enough. So I would say sit down with your kids and go, to almost teach them to dream and teach them to believe that one of our giant value, who says I can't, and almost be their champion because you'll have to do it continually because their almost default in tenancy is to retreat back into safety and to retreat back into what they already know. I would say it's the same if you're leading nurturers in teams um, because they're usually so good at making things happen and organizing things and making sure everyone's okay. It's really easy sometimes as a, as a leader to put nurturers and almost use them for things that help you rather than actually take the time to find out for them. What, is, what does the next level look like for them? Because they won't challenge themselves <laughs> to go beyond where they are for fear of letting you down. And sometimes you watch this quite symbiotic, unhealthy relationship where the nurturer feels incredibly valued because they're good at what they do. The leader feels incredibly grateful for the nurturer because they make them look good and oil the wheels of a relationship. It's almost like if you're not careful, you can get stuck. And I'll always say to nurturers, if you're not careful, the box in which a nurturer lives and feels comfortable shrinks over time. 
for some reason they, they kind of default back to, well, I know I'm good at this, I'll stay at this. And I would say one of the great challenges and tasks of a leader or a parent is just to keep expanding the nurturer's box. Tell them, call them up, help them grow in new skills, help them grow in new opportunities. And they'll love you for it, even if at times they'll really need you not to bring that huge challenge if it doesn't work first time because they're almost ready to condemn themselves. So just a warning for those of you with strong voices. So good. Everything we're doing is to give you tools, resources, a language for you to learn how to fight for the highest possible good of those you lead. That's what a liberator does. That's why we talk about these things. We actually believe it. This is just, it's a passion. It is part of our business at Giant Worldwide where we help people, we consult. We have uh, we have coaches and, and consultants who are working inside organizations all the time on this, but we have a passion for that to go larger than that itself its family its team its organization its community and if we get this right and you start calling people up not out then people can become healthy they can become uh, really really effective in their voice so the next time we get together we'll go through another uh, session on liberating a dot 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 we'll tell you what that is next time we're together we'll go through another voice and we're excited about it so thanks for being with us and if you would um, you know if you want to, to email us uh, you're welcome to and share any other royal baby names that you think <laughs> as a bet. Uh, hopefully, it's James in my uh, regard. So if I do, what do I win, by the way? Um, you'll, you'll win the und- undying appreciation and love of my nation. There you go. Okay. Well, here's to all who uh, are for St. George over, over the dragon. So uh, any other comments, Steve? I think to end on a more positive note, I think what I'd say is that if, if you only imagined what would happen inside families, teams, organizations, and communities if the nurturer voice was truly liberated and empowered, I often say that the world would look a lot more compassionate, it would be run much more efficiently, a lot more people would feel that they were cared for inside those structures and those teams. So it's one of those ones where we would argue that the nurturer tends to really almost we have to champion nurturers and we have to fight to liberate them because when they are liberated they cause all kinds of wonderful things to happen and they build families and communities and teams in a way that no other voice does so there you go i'm very passionate on behalf of nurturers. wow yeah you had you had more in there Come on. Kept, kept getting out Next. that last thought was another last thought <laughs> I, any other last yeah, thoughts I, I would say I, it's almost like i'm i'm <laughs> this is almost like a public repentance on behalf of my pioneer voice that basically having been married to a long-suffering nurturer for 25 years in poor helen i realize I, i've kind of made a study on trying to help nurturers as best I can, even though through the lens of the pioneer, it's always a challenge and I always have to be on my best behavior. So to nurturers out there, the rise of the nurturers is what we're going for. So you're basically making up for all the singe marks of your grenade launcher. Um, that's what this is. Okay. I love it's it. Public, well, that's great. It's public well. repentance. Forgive me, Jeremy, for I have sinned. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. See you next time. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.